Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 6, Rick Potion Number 9. Here's Aaron with the recap. Morty asks Rick to make a love potion to force his crush, Jessica, to return his affections. Against his better judgment, Rick whips up a serum synthesized from vol oxytocin and pheromones. While the serum causes Jessica to fall fanatically in love with Morty, it also combines with the flu virus she is currently carrying and becomes airborne, eventually leading to the entire school, then town, and eventually the world to crave Morty's love. Rick attempts to counteract these effects by mixing ever more improbable combinations of animal DNA, which eventually morphs the world's human population into horrifying Cronenberg-type monstrosities. Admitting defeat, Rick abandons this world with Morty and steps into another dimension where that reality's Rick and Morty had just been killed in a lab experiment and the two replace their dead cells relatively seamlessly. Morty struggles to accept his new existence. Back on the original version of Earth, Morty's original family is immune from the effects of the serum and are forced to fight for their lives against the formerly human creatures that now crave their flesh and blood, which is so similar to Morty's. An ironic note, the Cronenberg apocalypse and absence of Rick from their lives has allowed the Smiths to become their very best savage selves. So, Aaron, what do you think of this episode? I uh, really liked it. It had a lot of really real relational truths being dispensed here. Uh, I thought it had a pretty good moral dilemma with, like, you know rick destroying an entire world versus morty's original desire to essentially write as as or to essentially come up with as rick calls it a roofie potion Mm -hmm. like it's one of the few times where you know morty's a little uh, morally compromised in in the the adventure um and i like the kind of a glimpse of jerry we've been we've been shitting on jerry a lot in our coverage so far (laughs) with good reason and with good reason but it's nice to see him kind of freed from these crippling insecurities and self-doubt uh because i don't know whether he just realized this on instinctual level or he was just in full self-destructive mode because you know he thought beth was cheating on him with another man he didn't give a fuck anymore but Mm -hmm. uh, you know if he pulled his usual shit he'd be a dead man and leading to the epic exchange uh, between him and Beth, where he goes, I wish that shotgun was my penis when he shot one of the Cronenberg monsters. And she says, if it were, you could call me Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. And, and Jerry's like, I don't get that, and I don't need to. Uh, it's it, it's a it's a great episode, and one of the more... We've had a lot of, like, the last three, the simulation one, the Me 6 one, and this kind of done a lot to really enlarge the world that you can imagine that this show could be oh yeah uh and i mean this goes to a whole another level this goes so far off the rails and that's the thing that i love about it it's this show is not afraid to live with the consequences of its actions Mm -hmm. in a way that you don't often see especially in these sort of animated series uh that's that's what one of the things that makes this maybe my favorite episode of the season I think it also comes down to fantastic animation. Oh, yeah. The the creature design in this is so good. The way that they morph and just capturing that in this animated form, there, there's something delightful about it. Yeah, I I think that it's not just it's not just the consequences and the stakes, you know, like the fact that he the, the, the family that we've known for five episodes now utterly abandoned to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's not like. 
this isn't like in a Star Trek sense where it's like, oh, they're going to fix the timeline and just like it's going to disappear. It's like these people are yeah. locked in this hellish world. And Rick just doesn't give <laughs> and and the really the mind blowing thing is keep in mind 12 episodes from now, you're not going to remember or care it because like the fact mm-hmm. that this dimensional shift is such so slight that it's almost like. It starts fucking with you. Like, what is what is value to Rick at all except for his own conscious experience? Sure. And, you know, also, like, the, to the extent that he gets away with it, does it matter? You know, like, if you could put yourself... It's kind of like some of these questions with the simulation. If you had a simulation so accurate you didn't know it was a simulation, you know, uh, is ignorance bliss? Or do you really yeah. want to taste a real steak, you know? It goes back to that matrix question, and, and this is like that writ large. Like this is just a few degrees off of normality, but it's essentially, you know, the exact same. And, and does anything matter? Uh, and this is like this. This episode is a real jumping off point for explorations of that. Uh, and it's kind of like a. This is a really important episode because it's a it's a touchstone where several characters mm-hmm. are going to come back and reflect about these these events uh, yeah i mean you can see in morty's eyes at the end of this episode <laughs> this leaves him changed right and the the thing about it um from rick's perspective what, what you were talking about earlier i think is rick is such a colossally selfish character that it's not about like it, it's not about what these people might think about their their new reality mm-hmm. um about how morty might feel about it because he himself doesn't give a shit Mm-hmm. He he realizes, you know, the the full universality of all of it. None of this matters. It's a very nihilistic view. And so he puts that those feelings onto Morty and everyone around him, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't allow them to sort of process things in their own way. He wants them to process them the way he does. Yeah. And, and it comes out in, you know, even in within this microcosm, this episode here, where Rick is essentially like gloating the entire time like oh look look morty i just fixed everything your grandpa's a genius Uh you were fucking wrong you know who's wrong you are and then it turns out he's wrong like he's and then he tells morty oh this must be the best day of your life morty uh because he was right he's transferring these feelings of like selfishness and the Uh desire to be right at all times at all costs to himself and anyone else massive onto morty right who definitely doesn't feel that way he's that's not what is going through morty's head so like it's yeah it just shows off what a colossal asshole rick is yeah and it's just matt it's this thing where you know and like you said, the look on Morty's face whenever they fire up the Mazzy Star at the end here, oh, uh, which which that's the other thing is like if if you hear like a a, a down tempo pop song in the last five minutes of a Rick and Morty episode, <laughs> buckle the fuck up because <laughs> you're you're going to end up like Morty here, uh, uh-huh. and just like yeah to look around and like to know that like this is my family, but it's not my family, and how can you ever know any kind of real emotional truth again after? Mm-hmm. Uh, you experience that. And also, like, how many times has Rick done this? Uh, how many times can you do this? Because those are kind of rules are kind yeah. of sort of established, but not really because... And they're all sort of meta rules, you know? It's like, yeah. well, we're making a show here, and the audience is only going to give us so much leeway. Right. We can do this three, maybe four more times if right. we're lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or creative enough with it. Yeah, and the fact that, like, that's also the Rick is... He's as brilliant and as smart as he is. He's also a cheater. Because, mm-hmm. like, when he loses, he just doesn't admit defeat. He just goes and finds a reality where he somehow won. Yeah. 
it's one of the pinnacles of, of of Rick and Morty. It's got it all. It's got like some really funny stuff. It's got some really absurd mm-hmm. stuff. Like the whole idea that the one of the premises of this episode and the reason it works is because the show's having a flu season dance or the school's having a flu season dance. Not <laughs> so dumb. not to spread the flu, but to raise awareness of the flu uh-huh. season. But they're doing this massive where people are going to be dancing shoulder to shoulder, cheek to cheek. It, and it seems on the face of it a bad idea. Yeah, it totally <laughs> does. And also, the, it also uh, one of the brilliant conceits is, and one of the reasons that Rick and Morty is so much fun to watch is you keep getting more out of it. Like this time, like it came full circle to the fact that like, yeah, Rick made this uh, vol spec serum, um, and he, but he also realized that if it combined with the flu, somewhere in the back of his mind that that would be bad because yeah. he has that kind of realization later. Um, but he's he's giving Morty this this wildly dangerous concoction in the middle of flu season. Uh huh. So it's like, but he's oblivious. He doesn't know it's flu season. Like, right. I, or he doesn't care. It's just like he what, doesn't care. Yeah, the, and, right. and it's like uh, I said in the recap. This is against his better judgment. But I don't even know what that means. Like Morty whined <laughs> once or twice. And he's like, fine, take this, get get off my back. The way he does was so like you know handing the me six box mm-hmm. to his family could have gone terribly wrong. Um, yeah, does does a being with as much capability and as many outs as Rick even have a, a real grasp on the idea of consequences? Yeah, and what would those consequences be? Because if he dies, uh, presumably he just thinks he goes to nothingness. And yeah. if he can, if, if 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 other than death, he can always just hop to another. You know, other than loss of his own perceived consciousness, he can recover from anything just by dimensional hopping. And he's so selfish that he doesn't consider the consequences to the people around him. Right, having lost their grandfather, the beloved grandfather. Right, it would devastate Morty. It would crush yeah. Beth. Yeah, and that's also this is like something that you keep wondering about when you're pondering about like what you know the emotional stakes for Rick. It's like nothing can really threaten him. Uh, but you can threaten his family. But what does that mean? Because mm-hmm. is there something is is there something special in his relationship with with Morty that he saves him? Is it only because Morty happened to be with him at the time? Um, is like a close approximation of his Beth good enough for him? Uh, does he yeah. have such a poor relationship with his daughter and and, and son in law that he wouldn't be able to tell if there's minute differences and their histories? Hmm. That's a question I hadn't considered. Yeah, certainly seems like he doesn't he doesn't give it much thought either. Right, like it bother. Like I, I think it would if he had a more rich relationship with this family, it would probably bother him more. And maybe that's one yeah. of the reasons he keeps him arm's length because, like, hey, you know, Grandpa might have to bug <laughs> out and and leave everything behind. So I'm just, but but that goes against the thesis of which I guess I'm operating from is Rick does at a, a, at a core level care about his family. There's, they are special in some, some way, even if it's just uh, the like the fact a, that he's living with them still, yeah. I think says enough. Yeah. Maybe it's special in the same way that like your, your prized possessions are special. Like, you know, they're yours and they're familiar, they're familiar with the, to you and you've had them and it's, it's no real, like you're not, you know, you don't respect your razor uh, right. like in any kind of real human human way, but you don't want anyone else fucking with it. You don't mm-hmm. want anybody else taking it and using it. It's yeah. yours. So it's, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of great philosophical and moral questions uh, <laughs> opened by this episode. And they all come crashing down onto Morty, which I love. Yeah, just his like, just shell shock face with that, that yeah. song in the background is so great. Uh, l- let me ask you a question. I was reading through the wiki for this episode uh-huh. and it said... It starts this article with being too lazy to change things back to normal. Rick, you know, dimension hops here, abandons the dimension. 
I disagree with that. I don't think he's lazy. I think he's at the end of his rope. Hmm. What's what's your read on the subject? Uh I think there I think that Rick probably could have fixed it. I mean, obviously another a different dimension of Rick did, you know, there are close enough dimensions that they all got Cronenberg, mm-hmm. but one of them was able to fix it, you know, uh at 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 the last minute. So it implies that like if Rick had m- worked harder or maybe he was less sloppy, but no, I mean because that's the other thing I kept on thinking is every like the town is like all fucked up and there's a bunch of stuff being destroyed and it's like partially on fire, but he's still trying to reverse it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, what does reverse mean when a whole world's been Cronenberg, several people have been murdered because you see, you know, like right. like like uh, Jerry has gone on a murder spree of Cronenberg creatures. Like what would that like at what point does like even a fixed earth still it's so fucked up that it's personally inconvenient for for Rick to stay around. So, like, mm-hmm. is that laziness? Is that carelessness? Is that just like? So it's like you know, um, there's, there are, I'm trying to think of an example, like in a human example, like uh, you know, it's, it's a, like the difference between like cleaning the house. Like, can your house get so dirty that it's better to just bulldoze it and, and start over? Uh-huh. And you know, is it is that mean you're lazy if you do that? And I guess maybe it's depending on like how big your pocketbook is. Like if Bill Gates' house mm-hmm. got so messy, he he just wanted to hire someone to come bulldoze it, start all over. He comes in a clean house. He could probably do that. And is Rick like Bill Gates in that situation? Yeah, I, I don't know. My, my read on it is he he says that this um, Rick in what I'm going to call the replacement dimension because I think that's the colloquialism for it um, is it got lucky. You know, he he says he got lucky and the disaster was averted. He's also tried multiple times to fix this already. And he's failed spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Um, he seemed pretty sure of that last uh, attempt, mm-hmm. and it didn't work out for him. So, to me, Rick is really at the end of his rope. He's tried everything he can think of, and his emergency uh, idea, as he calls it, is to just hop dimensions. Like yeah. he's got this in his back pocket for when he actually can't figure his way out of a situation. Right. But wh- what's the threshold for when he pulls that yeah. lever? And like, and, I bet and I think the threshold is if he can't put it back to something that is recognizable uh, for him and Morty, mm-hmm. then he'll he'll hop out. He'll he'll pull the ripcord and get out of there. Yeah, because that's the that's the question. It's like, what? Let's say the Rick couldn't hop dimensions mm-hmm. was the world too fucked up for him to fix it that's the question and that's where the line between yeah. laziness and just yes. like you know being you're back against the wall is is an interesting question because it's it's like trying to say uh you know is the fire in this building out of control mm-hmm. uh knowing that i can just walk out the front door and watch and then walk away from burning versus i'm trapped in this building like yeah, the the definition of, of fire out of control and you stop fighting it's different in those those circumstances. So and as we you know talked about Rick's selfishness fundamentally, um, I think he doesn't care so much about like oh there were buildings that were burned down, there were a bunch of Cronenbergs who now would be turned back into regular people if I could fix this, mm-hmm. who are dead and their families are going to be affected, and he doesn't care about that. It's really about like his microcosm of this world, or like the, I, yeah, I don't think he cares about it too. But let's say that that caused like two trillion in damages, uh-huh. and the United States becomes bankrupt and it becomes like a third world right. country. Like I still think he thinks that's too ruined because it would impact his standard of living. Yes, and I agree. With it that. would pinch his family, and like you know, like I, I 
maybe he, uh, an, if another country gets like nuked, like a Madagascar mm-hmm. gets nuked, like I don't think he cares about that. But like where you know his own backyard getting yeah. materially degraded to where he can't have fun or he can't live comfortably anymore, I think would be enough for him to bail on the world. Yeah, pretty fucked up. Because it's certainly not like what happens to his family or his neighbors or nope. even his fellow countrymen. It's it's definitely <laughs> like what is the perceived experience to Rick. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there are three dimensions that we get to see in this one. Oh yeah, um, there's C137, which is the sort of originating dimension. That's the OG Rick. Yeah, and that one gets Cronenberg. Yep. Uh, and along the lines of Cronenberg, we we see at the in the Stinger at the end, there are some Cronenberg Rick and Mortys who come through from wherever their dimension is, where Rick fucked it up and turned Mm -hmm. everybody into normal humans. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they had to abandon it. It was too far gone, and they Uh came to Rick's really fucked up C-137. Yeah. So so we know that there is a Cronenberg world Okay, because you said scene. I was like, okay, but that's definitely alluded to, or they step through it. Right, right. That's where they came from. And then there's the replacement dimension where Rick and Morty end up at the the end of this episode. There's a lot of interesting things. Like, we talk about the big, heady philosophies of, like, alternate dimensions and whatnot, but there's also, like, a thing about like in in all this there's also some interesting philosophizing about love for example you know rick's opinion is like love's just a chemical reaction that compels animals to breed and he recommends that you break the cycle rise above focus on science and then literally the next scene is jerry asking beth if she still loves him Mm -hmm. and she gives like more of a practical answer like I really liked it. Like, uh, do you want people to be homeless? Like, no. Do you want to build a home? Well, build a homeless shelter? And she's like, yeah. So, like, everybody wants to say they love the homeless, but nobody wants to put in the work. And she's like, do you see me putting in work here? Does yeah, this seem that's like what means something? Yeah. Does this seem like it's it's uh, a lot of people aren't willing to put in the work? Loving you is hard work. Do you see me doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 interesting. Um, and it's like Jerry just wants the yes or no, right? He just he just wants the answer that would yeah. would assuage his fears. Yeah, or like in and Beth gives him an answer, and instead of that being satisfying, it sends him like or it's another one's like maybe it's a wake up call. It's like oh well, maybe I could see what it it would look like to make myself less of a person that's hard work to love. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, it's it's i don't know it's interesting because there's a very similar scene in like fiddler on the roof where like you know that's all about communities that are engaging you know uh uh arranged marriages and they're very young and it's the two main the main character a mother and father like talking about whether they love each other and it's like you know what does that even mean for 20 years i've been doing your laundry and cooking your food and doing all this stuff and then but it's this duet and at the end of it they realize that despite everything they have built a nice life and they do love each other Mm -hmm. this is like the flip side of this where it's like yeah i put on the work but and it's been a long time and we've got a teen you know teenage daughter and teenage son but like i think i hate your guts (laughs) <laughs> that's like the way that duet would go yeah uh it's, it's definitely not a realization that like yeah we've been going through the motions and oh we found it in love we've been going through the motions and found that we're completely different people that don't have anything in common together and it's 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 sad um, and i find it interesting that over the course of this episode i like i understand what they're going for they're trying this uh, you know zombie apocalypse style survivor group at the end with the c-137 uh family but Jerry saves Beth because his own insecurity has driven him to where he has to know if she's cheating on him mm-hmm. and he will not let anything stand in his way until he finds that information out. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that Beth, I view care the best character as someone who would understand 
Jerry is in a weird place here. Like, why is Jerry here in the office right now? Mm. Why is he crashing through the door at this moment and sort of question that? But she doesn't in mm-hmm. this episode. And so I think I think they're going for something else. And so they sort of ignore that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, which is I, I don't want to call it like, you know, bad writing. I don't think it's bad writing. It's just something that they a choice they made. Well, it's been, I think it's that I think that this is why it must be so heady to work on the show. It's because like a lot of that that concern is answered by the fact that Beth has literally saw her coworker explode into a praying mantis monster. But that's a distraction, right, from the the smarter character that we know Beth is. Yeah, the more aware character. But like when Jerry, like the other thing is like I think that you know Jerry's finally there for her in a moment. Like maybe he's not been in a long time, or maybe he's never been, and assertive mm-hmm. and kicking ass and just saved her life and like. You know, almost like a fantasy version of what Jerry could be, and she's not going to ask too many questions. She just instantly (laughs) falls into this like Sarah Connor role, and they're going to kick their ass, kick ass across the wasteland. What, what is it about this that makes Jerry cool? Like, is it just like the he literally he? It's the one liners for one. Well, but I mean, like, but what unlocks this about him? Did he like literally? He finally had nothing left to lose. He had no self-respect. He had because he thought he was going to go to, uh, you know, uh, confront this this his wife who's having sex with the the younger, better looking, more intelligent, successful man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, was it that plus the stress of the the, the praying man is people trying to kill him? Like, I I, I don't know. Like what. Because, yeah, like, I, I almost wonder if, like, this is a realistic portrayal of Jerry in this situation. Okay. Well, I think it evolves over the course of the episode. Yeah. I, I think at first, yeah, it's insecurity, it's jealousy, it's all of those things. Uh, but then it becomes something different. Mm. Uh, at the point where, maybe at the point where he sees that his actions have actually won Beth over. Hmm. Um and that that's the hard work he needed to put in. Yeah. Uh, he he understands that, which is uncharacteristically Jerry. Yes. Uh, so he has a moment of clarity, and he sort of uses that to become this person that he has to be. Or, or it could just be that Jerry, when the chips are down, and there is truly some danger, springs into action and becomes an entirely different person. Well, and you also wonder... So that's you know goes back to the conversation we are having in the last few episodes, is like, you know, the on the patheticness of Jerry. Yeah. Um, is Jerry pathetic because he, from a very early age, was beaten down, experienced loss after loss after loss, and made him more and more insecure? And then here's a situation where he kind of makes a snap decision to grab the shotgun and start shooting, which led to success, to success, to success. Like, is he literally, uh, like, uh, being bullied by his dad or maybe kids at school away from being this awesome version of Jerry he could have always been? Could be. One other thing I wanted to say that I noticed kind of for the first time. In the in the new the replacement dimension, we see Rick just landing a saucer in the driveway, like mm-hmm. while it's like this 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 their streets having an idyllic, you know, there's kids playing ball in the front and there's newspapers being delivered, neighbors waving high. All this is going on, he just lands his flying saucer in the middle of the driveway and no one pays it any mind. I mean, it's like the scene in Back to the Future where they take off down the middle of the street. I guess that's, with yeah. With fire guess, into the sky. I like, guess that's true, but they yeah. don't make it a point of, like, everyone out there watching them. You know, right. it's like, is there is there just enough weird shit going on at the Smith residence that no one really pays it any mind anymore? Is it, hmm. uh, yeah. is Rick got some kind of, like, oblivion field that, like, keeps people from noticing the weird shit mm-hmm. that's going on in his life? Uh, 
that's I thought was kind of interesting. And I don't know. You're right. It might just be a, an homage to Back to the Future, where it's like, well, Doc Doc didn't give a fuck about where he's going and yeah. and 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 revealing his power level. So why would Rick? If you don't have the flu, then don't bother listening. The flu's not is glistening all around us. I'm a flu hating rapper. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Jim, now it's time for a segment we like to call Plot to the Future, where we open up the portal to Dimension BM-77 and use that awesome, terrible power to glimpse behind-the-scenes details, trivia, and spoilers for future episodes. So, that sounds like a bad time. If you're a first-time Rick and Morty person, you want to preserve the mystique and the mystery, uh, bail now. Uh, one thing that struck me when I was listening to the commentary is like, it felt like that the crew is really conscious of how mind blowing this episode is, would be. And they can, they consciously put it in this particular point in the season as mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, you, you, you felt like you had an idea of what Rick and Morty is going to be about. And then we're going to like hit you with the kind of far off, um, uh, uh, simulation episode. And then we're going to kind of do a fun one with me six and then Bam! Just when you get you feel like you got your feet, feet, footing, here comes a Cronenberg disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just really, uh, I really enjoy the fact that they take time, even in from like you know the idea of like when the episodes come out. Like they really take the time to uh, think about how that's going to be impacting the audience and trying to use even the placement of stuff in the season. And it also reminds me of like. Um, you know, like some of the more le- the less fortunate franchises like Firefly <laughs> and how, you know, Fox, when they were airing that, didn't yeah. give a fuck about what order they're aired in and how that can really like that. That must really like feel like your heart's being torn out when you try to do your best. And then, you know, I, I, was, I was just thinking like how pissed off Sabotaged. everybody. Yeah, they take the order of episodes and just, and this is like the finale. And that, it, or, or if this was episode two, like they originally thought, I yeah, it would not work. Yeah, because you I, didn't I think it could ruin the show because you, you don't care enough about the episode. Right. You don't care enough about the characters to uh-huh. understand what a violation it is. But also, like if this happened like in middle of season two, mm-hmm. it might be the other way. Like the characters are so attached that you're just like, I can't forgive Rick from doing this. It's like. I, I want. I want to say it's the perfect time, and I know it's. They it's probably could have done good, it though. Like, it is. It's great, great placement. Plus or minus one or two episodes of being the perfect placement. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's still able to set a tone for Rick and Morty as a series mm-hmm. at, at episode six. Uh, whereas episode two, yeah, I think it would have been too soon. You do it too late. It's already like okay. Well, this is not particularly new for Rick and Morty, but yeah, great placement. Yeah, I I thought it was also insightful that I think this is Harmon talking about that uh, the way they arrived at this version of Jerry is that what level of dysfunction does the universe need to display for Jerry to be functional? Okay, and it turns out full Cronenberg dysfunction is yeah. is is where Jerry can can kind of relax and be <laughs> himself, which is still pretty fucking pathetic. 
yeah more so yeah 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 yeah. like you have to have an artificially engineered situation Mm -hmm. uh for you to be like a hero to your wife and child it is kind of dark though from the stinger's perspective of even living in this hellish existence they are more satisfied because rick is out they say rick and morty but i think it's really rick that rick rick being out of their life like rick is such a cause of their misery and you can see like summer they have um you know they haven't really sketched summer really in a detailed way but they made it a point to have her be the one character that's kind of defiant to grandpa here Mm -hmm. calls him out for his gross asshole behavior um because this like Rick's trying to play everyone against each other. He's like saying, you know, like love is shit and like your relation, like, uh, you know, there's ways you can support a person's relationship and ways you can like, you know, pull the Jenga, uh, mm-hmm. sticks out from under it. And Rick's definitely doing the latter. Oh, absolutely. The, the thing that struck me though, about Rick saying, you know, the, the, this virus of love got your father, it got me. Don't like break the cycle. Just yeah. focus on science implies that Rick, at some point did love something yeah uh and maybe still does maybe still does therefore mm-hmm. so yeah a little wrinkle a little wrinkle in rick a little wrinkle a wrinkle in in time uh-huh uh the other thing is like uh and i knew this just from being a harmontown fan but the flu hating rapper that's do kind of like doing background vocals uh that's dan Harmon. yeah doing patented dan Harmon rapping <laughs> <laughs> uh which to be fair he's uh he continues to, to learn and grow as an artist uh, he's both he's, a rapper and a writer. But, but, uh, yes. Uh, it turns out you keep doing anything over an extended period of time and you'll get marginally better at it. Um, he, he, I think he writes a lot more than he raps, but, uh, <laughs> he, I, I, throughout the run of, of, I, I think throughout the run of Harmontown, there's like, uh, what going on 300 episodes, more than 300 episodes. Like there's been, there's, there's been some genuine fire verses every once in a while okay. it comes together all off the cuff. Off the cuff. Sometimes like, uh, yeah, I remember one episode in particular, he had another rapper open Mike Eagle on and they're trying to get it. Cause like, uh, <laughs> Dan runs home the mama in the form of fucking your mama raps. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's uh, fucking your mama, this and that fucking from North to South. And like, I felt like a lot of that exercise was kind of getting him away from the mama fucking, but, uh, that, that's fun too. There's a second commentary on this uh the one with Blu-ray. the simpsons cast or, yeah, or creators. yeah matt Groening and a whole bunch of other people yeah um from the simpsons which i didn't find particularly entertaining i, I didn't care no. for it they tend to have like a like it's it's uh they like rick and morty and yeah they are kind of envious of some of the things it does and but i i guess i was i was really excited like oh shit the creators of the simpsons like what will they say about this and there's obviously a lot because mm-hmm. i knew that they you know, they they let Rick and Morty do this very extended couch gag, like a five minute version of the opening couch gag. Yeah. So I knew there was like a lot of like love and affection um, between those two series. Yeah. What What do you think is what's the I mean, most... the, highlight, the highlight for me was when they were talking about um, or I guess the thing that stuck with me the most is when they're talking about Fox having passed on this show, like they, they sort mm. of pitched a version of Rick and Morty, which wasn't quite Rick and Morty to fox and fox turned it down and you know they're obviously famous for the simpsons futurama all those like you know the beloved cartoon the beloved Mm -hmm. animations um i don't think that was a mistake on fox's part i don't think you could make this show on fox i don't think fox would have let this show become rick and morty you're although they do they did do like family guy 
Yeah, but that Family Guy's not that subversive. It's not that. Th- th- but this this episode has a scene that turns from a rape scene to a pedophilia scene. Like right, Fox right. ain't gonna let that fly. Yeah, I mean you're you're right that there would be that the, a lot of the edges would be sanded down, yeah. and I think it would have not been as great as. But I'm like, just it being the edgy humor, I feel like uh, Family Guy is. I mean they they, they probably wouldn't have gotten away as bleeping as many cuss words. But but the, <laughs> sure. I, I don't know I don't know some of the the big science fiction subversion you're pro you're right you're right it would have it would have filing down the edge of this show would make it not Rick, be Rick and Morty anymore. yeah I think so being in the environment of like a, a broadcast television show versus Adult Swim which you know Adult Swim you know, they traffic in high concept you know sometimes juvenile sometimes oh, yeah. uh, smart you know kind of gross out humor and and stuff like that. Um, I wonder if even that just changes how like like they wouldn't even have thought to do so, to do some of the things they've done on Rick and Morty just because like it just never it, being in that box it's not as freeing so the thought processes don't happen and, yeah yeah or they would yeah. have shut it down before the ideation phase even got exactly to the point where exactly. they can't put oh, something we'll never good get past standards and practices right so, like where this show we we actually write something we think will be rejected from standards of practice which is our way of reminding ourselves to change it and oh shit just got approved <laughs> right yeah. Um, one other thing I want to talk about, this is kind of like, uh, spoilers for the future in, and some people like, you know, like to track this kind of thing, but like Rick, so he is from the dimension known as C-137. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to this other dimension, which is just called the replacement dimension. Um, there is something, and one thing I had a question and I did a little bit of research is like, does Rick, you know, cause it, like later on when he's dealing with the council of Rick's and other things, like, does he identify as the dimension that he's originally from? Is he trying to pass himself off as the dimension from the replacement? Um, and there's a couple indications of this. Like one of them is in the, during a season two, episode three or episode two, rather Morty night run. That's the one where he checks Jerry into like a Jerry daycare, a Jerry romper room. Mm-hmm. And he puts down his own, like, you know, d- dimension he's from as C C-137. He puts Jerry's dimension as N.A., and I wonder what are they trying to say there? Uh, are they trying to, for whatever reason, avoid committing to actually naming this dimension just to give him some freedom or in the future? Are they mm. saying that Rick literally doesn't give a fuck? Because right. uh, in that episode, also at the end, when uh, they or they, that he's so one dimensional that he doesn't even have a dimension. Like, is this a yeah? Is this Rick taking a, a jab at? Jerry? Yeah, or it could be all the above. Like, you know, it's like it matters so... Like, Jerry's existence matters so little to Rick that he would accept literally anything that looks like Jerry back. <laughs> right. Um, And then it's like at the end, like, there's almost a mix-up where, mm-hmm. like, they get the wrong Jerry and then they hand them off. But, like, are we sure they got the right Jerry back? And would it matter? I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of interesting questions just there. But I'm, it, it does feel like... When you look at some of these Wikipedias and like all the detailed history and like all the different dimensions that they've cataloged, it is kind of bizarre that we don't have a handle on this replacement dimension that the majority There's of no the end. vast majority of the Rick and Morty action is going to take place in. Yeah. Uh, although one ultimate answer to whether Rick's lazy or not is if in like season five he comes back and fix the Cronenberg dimension. Okay. Like he finally is like you know he rolls up his sleeves like I'm gonna do it and and uh... and it could be with the evolving character of Rick that you know he has he does deep down have some kind of attachment to it right and he does want to come back and try and fix it I mean, because we've it seen, is his originating we've seen that original family now and they're like <laughs> they're pretty far gone they're but, different yeah 
But Rick, I mean, he can roll with that. Rick rolls with post-apocalyptic uh, uh, civilizations all the time, semi-regular basis, so. Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns and myself, Manayron, from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at Bald Move. See you next time. <laughs>